I'm going to uh, go back a little bit. I did one lesson in this. going to do some more to this short series on this idea of I must decrease. He must increase and I must decrease. Um, again, we looked a few weeks ago at how big God is. We're going to ramp up just a little bit this, this evening and then I'm going to um, do a little bit of a Bible study. Um, when I get there, I'll, I'll explain a little bit more. God is more massive than our wildest imaginations. <laughs> Bigger than the biggest words we have to describe him. And he's doing just fine. He's doing just fine today, sustaining galaxies, holding every star in place. He doesn't even break a sweat doing that. God is constant. I want you to hear this. God has no dilemmas. No quandaries, no counselors, no shortages. He has no rivals. He has no fears. He has no worries. He's self-existent. He's self-contained, self-perpetuated, self-powered, and self-aware. He's God. He knows it. And he's really secure in being God. After an eternity of being God, he shows no signs of wear and tear. He has no needs, no flaws. God does whatever he wants. His purposes are a sure thing. There's no stopping him, no containing him, no refuting him. God is sovereign and is in control. God knows everything and every, about everything and everyone. He could start with Adam and name every man, woman, and child who has ever lived, describing every detail about each one of them. Nothing is hidden from him. He wrestles with no mysteries. He sees clearly and comprehends all he sees. He sits on an everlasting throne. His kingdom has no end. God has never feared a power struggle or a hostile takeover. He doesn't have to watch his back. He has no equal, no peer, no competition. He is the I am. We also looked at you and I are not the I am. We are tiny we are microscopic. We are a momentary blip on the timeline of the universe. A seemingly undetectable alliance of dust particles held together by the breath of God. The sum of our days is like a vapor. The richest of us and the richest of the rich owns nothing. The strongest can be felled in one faltering heartbeat. We are fleeting mortals. We are frail. Why in the world are you doing that? You trying to make me feel small? No. I'm trying to help you embrace the reality that you are small. You are really, really small. Keep listening because the story doesn't end there. The great news, the unexplainable mystery, is that you and I are loved and prized by the God of all creation. 
Because he wanted to, he, because he wanted to, he fashioned us in his own image, creating within us the capacity to know him. And if that's not enough, in spite of our foolishness and rebellious nature, God has pursued us with relentless passion and patience, fully expressing to us his great love by becoming like us and dying on the cross for us. So just a glimpse of his glory instantly resizes us to microscopic proportions. But God is not trying to deflate us. It is just the opposite of that. When we see how tiny we are, our self-worth and our God-worth can become one and the same as we are stunned with the reality that we have been made in his very likeness and we are invited to know him personally. What I think of myself and what God thinks of me can be and should be one and the same. This can happen when we truly begin to comprehend that we are nothing and he is everything. But he fiercely loves and pursues us. He is the I am and I am the I am not. However, I am not, but he knows me. I am not, but he has pursued me with his love. I am not, but I've been purchased and redeemed by his very blood. I am not, but I am invited into his story. I am not, but I know the creator of the universe. I am not, but I know the I am. You are small, but you can be on a first name basis with the great I am. 99.99999% of the people on earth have never heard of you. But God knows everything about you and calls you his own. What more could we possibly achieve on earth that is greater than what we already have? We are already friends of God. What greater prize or poor position could we hope to gain? What praise from another human being could eclipse the voice of the I am speaking to us by name? If we could fully grasp this concept our mission here on earth would be so much clearer to us. And that simple mission is make him known. Everything about him, make Jesus known. Let everybody know him. Let everybody be close to him. What a way to live life. Entertaining every environment with the every intention to shine as little light on me as I can and to shine all the light I can on Jesus Christ, the great I am. I must decrease and he must increase. The Church of the Annunciation sits off a crowded, narrow street in the heart of Nazareth, the town where Jesus grew up. 
the church is so named this because uh, this is where, uh, in that little village, this is where the angel appeared to Mary and announced the miracle birth of Jesus. Inscribed, they tell me, in the fascia, the stone there of that church and the entrance are words in Latin, which I won't uh, begin to even try to describe that, but something, something, something. But interpreted to our language and translated to our languages, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Tonight, I'm going to take each word and we're going to do a little study about each word. I apologize at the very beginning if you think I'm stretching some of these just a little bit. But I think we can learn something from these simple words. The first word of and the word became flesh and dwelt among us is the word and. Quit running the aisles. And. Yeah, that's the first word. It all started with a simple conjunction, just three characters of the alphabet. And the word became flesh. In this verse, can I say, and is not just a simple conjunction. And is a huge statement. It's God's way of saying all the stuff in the Old Testament up to now has been pretty amazing, right? And he's saying, well, fasten your seatbelts because a lot more is coming. He's saying, remember the power of God displayed at the Red Sea? The visible glory of God that descended over the temple? Remember Daniel and David and Rahab and Joshua and the other men and women of faith? They all performed wonderful wonders and, and great things were happening. But God is not finished. Messiah is coming, Messiah is here, and now God has so much more in store. All of the Old Testament, yes, and means there's even more to come. Even God's activity in my life, there is always an and. All the wonderful things he has done for me, and he's going to do more. All the wonderful things he's done at this church, and he's going to do greater things at this church. All the things, wonderful things he's done here on earth and, and recorded in the Old Testament, this verse tells us, and there's more to come. The second word, and the. From a conjunction to a definite article. From and to the. And the word was made flesh. When God chose to do more, that's the and, he didn't just do something. He didn't just do anything. God did a very specific thing. God sent his son, the living word, into a frantic Bethlehem night in the form of a baby and in the streets of Nazareth in the frame of a little boy. And Jesus wasn't one of many sons he was the only son of God. He wasn't one of a multitude of messengers sent from above. He was the message and messenger come down from heaven to earth. God did one thing. He sent one son to be the way. John doesn't write that and a word was made flesh or some word was made flesh 
or really a really good word became flesh, or one of the many words became flesh. John carefully wrote, and the word became flesh. The one and only word, Jesus Christ. The was also about the uniqueness of the Christ, the full revelation of God to humankind. And the next word is word, capital W, the language of God. After 400 years of silence, God was talking again. Jesus was not just clever at crafting some words. He was the word sent from God. In the end, that what matter was not just embracing what Jesus was saying, but embracing the one who came to say those things. God manifest in the flesh. The word from the beginning and the word. Became. <laughs> Here we go. Became is a compound word. So it means it's comprised of two words. The word be and the word came. The one who appeared to Moses at the burning bush. That day God revealed himself to Moses as I am. Who should I tell sent me? Tell them I am sent you. The present tense, active form of the verb to be or simply be. Jesus claimed before Abraham was, I am. Jesus' name, I am. Jesus is B, B E. Do you remember these? Am, is, are, was, were, have, has, had, should, 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 be, be, being. You remember all those, those state of being verbs? That's what this all breaks down into. Jesus, the great I am, he was, he is, he forever will be. So Jesus is the word whose name can we say is the I am or can we say be and Jesus be came. Jesus came. I am came, be came, but in the most surprising form, right here for all of us to see, the Lord of creation, God, the I am, the word, took on the dusty form of a man, be came because you and I could never get to be or the I am on our own. Be came so that we would know that we matter to God. Be came to give us life again. The I am be came to make a way for us to join the never-ending story of God. Our story is not that we can muster the strength to raise ourselves to get to Him. Rather that God Himself lowered Himself to get to us. Jesus walking on planet earth here. And the word became flesh. The I am in flesh. God arrived with skin. The divine in the form 
of a sweaty, laughing little boy playing with other kids on a narrow street on a steamy afternoon. That's how close God chose to connect with us. God didn't send a note. He didn't send an email. He didn't send a check. Have some cosmic event happen. When God came to the human race, he came near to us. He became flesh. The God of the world in a body like yours and mine. Why does it matter? Because you can touch flesh. You can look on flesh. You can feel the heartbeat of flesh. You can hear the voice of flesh. And if you're searching for a sacrifice, you can pierce flesh and it will bleed. You can nail flesh to a cross. <laughs> what earth-shattering truth. And the word became flesh. Another word, and. Again, it seems like it would be enough that God came to us and walked among us and was just like us. But this, even this short verse says, and again, after all he has done through eternity past and throughout the history of mankind and humankind, sent us a living, breathing message straight from the throne of God. But there's more. The Bible says, and the word became flesh and dwelt. It wasn't just a passing splash across the headlines. It wasn't a well-trained photo op to capture all of the newspapers back in the day. Jesus didn't just drop in. He came to dwell with us. Jesus wasn't a momentary visitor to our little planet. He was for 33 years a resident of earth. Jesus lived. He laughed. He played, he got tired, he was frustrated, he ate, he felt isolation. At times he raised his voice. Jesus knew what it was like to share a quiet meal with the fr close friends. Yet all the while, Jesus wasn't like us. He wasn't like others. He knew who he was and what he had come for. Jesus, yes, the word became flesh and dwelt. Jesus walked and talked among us. Jesus came to make things new, to make us whole again. Jesus came in the form. God came in the form of flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt. The next word, among. Jesus wasn't shy of mixing with people. When he came, he came among us. Whether they were rich or whether they were poor, he was equally quick to invite himself into their world. And almost without a word, he would transfer value to them and his love to them. And he offered grace to all who were thirsty for more than this world could, could give. John 1.14 in the message, I like how, how, this, how this is written out. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. 
dwelt among us. Jesus, a friend of sinners. He was relevant before relevant was cool. He was Emmanuel, God with us. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He is God. He knows he's God. He's always been God. And does everything for his glory. So that doesn't make him indifferent to you and me. Rather, it was his plan all along to dwell among us. Can I tell you, you are not inconsequential to the Almighty. He loves you more than you could dream or ever imagine. When you think of a God who is self-sufficient, he needs no one. He can do it all by himself. Yet he pursues you with his love. Yet he came to this earth to dwell among us, to live and die for our sins. He loves us in a way that is unfathomable to our finite minds. I know there are days and there are circumstances that, that may seem to, to shroud that reality that, uh, you know, that I, I don't know if God really loves me like that, along with our own feelings and even along with other, what other people may say about you. You're worthless and you're not worth it and you're unlovable, but let me remind everybody in here and online that God does not say that about anybody. He came among us. He came for everybody. But God's passion to connect with us, to connect where we are, the extraordinary length he came to span from heaven to earth to demonstrate his great love for us. This is just with, can I say, epic proportions of what he has done for us. Jesus coming for us. The great I am on a rescue mission. Why? He doesn't need any of you. He's God. He's self-sufficient. This is where you can know that it is unconditional love because he has nothing to gain. He has everything. You have everything to gain. He relentlessly comes after us with his love. I don't think it's probably possible for us in our, again, in our minds here on earth, uh, on this side of heaven, to fully comprehend the staggering sacrifice required for the creator to leave the throne of heaven to come and settle in our neighborhood. But just because we're small, just because we're a vapor, just because we're a blip in the great uh, eternity of time, does not mean, and don't ever confuse it with the fact that you're insignificant to God. Because coming face to face with your humble estate does not void out the love that it took him to truly care about you. Yes, we're little. Yes, we're small in the great cosmos of everything around his. But you are so intensely loved. The I am thinks enough of you to organize a visit that changed everything and forever defines your worth. Scripture and history, again, I'll hit it one more time, bears out that God does all things for his glory. And if he does, 
then he saved you because he wanted to and it's for his glory. He pursues you out of his love for his glory. What a great God. Sin doesn't make us bad. Sin makes us dead. And dead people can't travel one inch towards God. That's why Jesus' journey, again, is so stunning. Scripture says, God being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. But again, that's not all the passage continues on. And he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. The great God bridged the gulf to get to you. And I dare say, if you were the only one, he would have still bridged the great gulf to get to you. You are loved, you've been sent for, you are prized by the Almighty. You are His, you are chosen, you are the apple of His eye, you are made in His likeness, you're valuable, you're reachable, you're worth the gift of His life, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Can I continue on? John 1.14 says, And we beheld his glory. Another and. We don't have to spend a lot of time there. It just simply means there's more to come. <laughs> if that's not enough, that the great God who spoke the worlds into existence clothed himself in human flesh and came and moved into our neighborhood. If that's not enough, that he pursues us with his great love. If that wasn't enough, the Bible says, and we beheld his glory. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever, the scripture bears out. He's still working and you're still his. Your story is not finished. There is more to come. And we beheld his glory. Again, the word, the next word is we, and we, all of us again. You and me, each of us, nobody's excluded. The good and the bad of us. The rich and the poor of us. The uneducated and the educated of us. The old and the young of us. Every culture every creed, every skin tone, every race, every one of us. This message, this Jesus has such a broad reach. I can, on myself sometimes, I can discount people. I'm just not sure they're all that. And I can snub people if I'm not careful because I'm not real sure about that one or there, the, oh, that one over there. But let me just say something about Jesus. If he can span the gulf from heaven to earth, 
He can span whatever gulf you think you're away from him to get to you. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. I take the wings of the morning, you're there. If I go, no matter where you are, God is there and relentlessly pursuing us because he loves every one of us. This message of Jesus, again, is for whosoever will. Sanctuary family. Whoever walks in this place, he died for them just like he did for you. Such were some of you. We can discount and snub and look or look the other way all we want to. But thank God somebody didn't do that to me. Thank God someone loved me. Thank God someone took me in. Thank God someone cared for me. If he does that, I think his body should do that also. We beheld his glory. Again, can I, can I? Stretch this a little bit and use that thing, same as I did before. We beheld, two words, be held. He was held. The I am was held. What a mystery. The I am came in a little baby and he was held by Mary and by humans. And what a beautiful picture of, of God coming to us. But can I also say that the great God of the universe holds us in his hands? What a picture of the God that outstretches the universe as a curtain. He takes his loving arms and envelops us in those also. He holds us close. Mary wrapped God's delivery in strips of cloth and held him, yes, but he came, the I am came. For just a moment, we can now, for just a moment back then they held him as a human but now he holds us forever thank God he holds me we beheld his we work on this a second his is the counterpart to my this this little powerhouse word I guess we could say it it, it kind of takes us to the heart of the matter the question becomes, who's going to take possession of our lives? We beheld His glory. Who's going to take possession of our destinies? Who's going to take possession of our everydays? Is today His? Or is today mine? I am his or I am mine. To behold his glory is to surrender everything to him and his. Think of that. I am his. Do you believe that? If you believe that, then my struggles are his. I can cast my burdens on him because he cares for me. If I am his, my future is his. If I am his, my reputation is his. If I am his, my needs are his. My hurts are his. My house is his. My job 
is his. My problems are his. If everything I have belongs to him, then the good and the bad are his. And I promise you, he does a very good job of taking care of everything. It's when I say, I'll give my troubles to him, but don't touch my future. I'll give my problems to him, but don't touch who I am. We pick and choose of what belongs to him. Can I say that everything has to belong to him? He's a jealous God. He won't share. And he's God. And if we give it all to him, remember a couple weeks ago when I said, he made the stars also. There are billions of stars. And the Bible simply gives five words to them. He spoke them. And you think he can't take care of you? You think he can't sustain you? You think he can't help in a time of need? It's how much am I holding on to myself? We beheld his glory. And can I say glory is kind of what we all want? At least it's what the sin nature wants. We're constantly wanting to be elevated, wanting to be recognized, wanting to be applauded, wanting to be noticed, wanting to be revered, wanting to be respected, wanting to be famous, wanting to be known, wanting to be rich, wanting to be important, all these words. And we're, our flesh constantly is doing that and searching for those things. But when Jesus appears and revelation of who he is occurs, all of that can quickly end. If we have seen his glory, oh wow, there is no glory that compares to his glory. How can we possibly demand to push ourselves center stage when we have one glimpse of who he truly is and what he has done? Why would we want all eyes to train on us once we have laid our eyes truly on Jesus. Maybe that is some of our problem. Maybe we truly haven't seen him. Maybe we don't truly know him. We haven't been up close and personal with him. Have you truly seen his glory? Have you been up close and personal to God? I, I say this song all the time, uh, that, that, thing, that song that says, uh, but the, the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Houses don't seem so important when I compare them to Him. My reputation don't seem all that grandiose when I compare it to His glory. So I ask, have you truly seen His glory? Have you truly been with Jesus? Here's how you quickly know that. The answer lies for you and me. It lies in the degree to which 
we are still promoting our own names and pumping up our own reputations and trying to do it on our own without Him. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. Jesus becoming small so that we could see and know God's great glory. Life's not about straining to be bigger than we are, to be more important than we think we should be, but it is about embracing the Christ of Calvary and realizing I am so small, yet He came to find me. He came to us in my own self. I've got to decrease. And he's got to increase. That's an easy scripture to say. But ladies and gentlemen, it is so hard sometimes to live out in our lives. Because our flesh gets in the way. And we want it this way. And we want it that way. Let me end by saying, we are going into phenomenal things here at this church. God is doing magnificent things among us. Sundays roll around and we try in the staff meeting on Tuesday, try to recount some stuff. And we're, we're, we're trying and we're attempting. And we need all the church family to help us. There are so many guests that come to this building every Sunday morning. And do you know why some of them are coming? Some of them are invited, but some of them have been driving past. And God said, go to that church. And they've come in this church. So what are we saying all that for? Because in this church, there will be people coming in here that don't look like you, don't smell like you, don't act like you, but this ain't about you. We have got to decrease so that he can increase. I want to be smack dab in the middle of what God is doing, but he will not share his glory with anybody else. Any spirit that tries to rise up against what God is doing, I'm not going to get spooky and scary, but I'm just telling you, you better watch what you're doing because God's church will not be stopped. What he has ordained will not. If I'm here or if I'm not here, God's still going to do a great work. If you're here or you're not here, God's still going to do a great work. But ladies and gentlemen, once again, before, I, before we dismiss, I want to be in the middle of everything he is doing. But I can't be there unless I learn to decrease everything in myself and let him increase in my life. So as we stand in this place, I know somewhat of a heavy lesson. I hope I got something across to somebody. But this whole idea of where God is wanting to take us and what God is wanting to do 
it has little to do with us and everything to do with him. But if we get in the flow, we can link arms with him and we can be co-laborers together to see what God is going to do. And it's going to be magnificent things. But he will not share his glory with anybody. So I beg this great congregation, please humble yourself before God. God is speaking to somebody. Humble yourself before God and let Him move into your life and fix those broken things and those things that have caused pain and those things that have wounded and you've reached out and you've even wounded others because of that. Jesus is here. He came to be among us to touch everybody. And when He does that, He can make all things new in you. Pray together in the name of Jesus. I pray, oh God, that a sweet balm of Gilead would come and you would heal. Oh God, I pray that you would touch. Minister in this place, oh Lord. Help us not try to make our own kingdom, Jesus, because that will never work. Help us to anchor solid to the rock of ages. Help us to hold close to what you have for us, oh God. I pray, oh God, that we would fall on the rock so the rock does not fall on us, oh Jesus. Help us to humble ourselves before you. The glorious and mighty things that you're going to do in this church, God, let none of us ever get puffed up that any, it has anything to do with us. But it is all about your glory. Take us to the next level, oh God. Take us all to the next level. Help us remain in your control, in your, in your way, oh God, in your, what you want for us. I pray that you would help us to continue to stay humble before your mighty hand. Bless each one of us, I pray. Keep us close to your heart. Help us to hear your voice and do your work and will. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.